Okay, thank you. Good morning, church. How are you doing today? Ah, I like it, I like it. Let's do that again. How about we, we all get excited for God this morning? How are you all doing this morning? I like the excitement this side. Can we get the excitement in the center here? Oh, is that her? Thanks, Emma. Okay, what about this side? Okay. So, um, it's important that we get excited when... So, it's interesting. If you see me squinting my eyes, I'm sure so the lights are right on my eyes. I feel glorious, you know. Yes. I feel like Moses when he went up the mountain and he was coming down. Um, let us pray. God, we thank you that you remain God in our lives. We thank you that you are enthroned. You are King. You are Father. As we are singing many worship songs praising you, God, we thank you that you are a faithful God. You are a loving Father that cares for us, that adores for us, Lord. We thank you this morning for this opportunity to come into your house and to worship you and to lift our praises and our worship and lift our hearts to you as Christ-centered. Just as Mark mentioned, Lord, this is not a show, but this is an experience. So, Lord, we desire you more in the name of Jesus. I am just a vessel right now, and I pray that you speak through me, make your word clear to your children, show them the direction. For those who need solutions, God, bring healing to those who need healing, Lord. Could it be? physical, emotional, or spiritual. In the mighty name of Jesus Christ, I pray. Amen. Wow. God is good. All the time. Lovely. So, as you all know, church, I am a kind of preacher. I like to preach with you. Right? I want us to preach together. So, once in a while, here and there, I might put some people on the spotlight. Please, don't get angry with me. I don't mean any harm. I'm not saying I'm going to deliberately do that today. But I just want you to understand what kind of a preacher I am. Um, and if you look at Mark and Joe and Gary, they are doing the exegesis of books, right? I'm saying Mark was saying he's doing the book of Numbers? No? Joshua? Yes. And Gary is uh, doing another one. Right. Um, yes, no, I, I know. It's, it's from Mark, Matthew, Luke, John, right? You chose John, and you gave the reason why you chose John. So I preach once in a while, right? I am not very articulate and amazing. Emma is like a writer, right? So she's, whoo! I am just me. So just love me the way I am. You like me, church? Like that. So today we want to talk about uh, making room. Can you tell your neighbor, say, make room for Jesus?
come on, church, talk to me. This is how we are going to be rolling the entire of this service. Right. So, I have the title of my sermon today. Probably some of you will know, I just added one word, or maybe two words, prepare air. Otherwise, I took it from the, that song that we sang like last week, right? Make room, for, make room for you, right? So, I think prepare or make room for Jesus. And then I have a side subtitle that says, His way is not only better, but the best. You know? So if you read in the book of Revelation, very few people speak, speak on the book of Revelation. It can be a very scary book, but a second book to preach on too. He says in Revelation 3.20, Behold, I stand at the door and I like to read from Amplified, and he says, of the church, and continually knock. If anyone hears my voice and opens the door, I will come in and eat with him, restore him, and be with me. Now, if you also read the Bible in First Corinthians chapter 3, verse 16, it says, Do you not know? Do you not understand? You, the church, are the temple of the living God. That the Spirit of God dwells permanently in you. So the Spirit of God can dwell collectively to us as a church, or it can dwell individually in each and every one of us. So I thought as we I felt this impressed in my heart as the year uh, starts, that it will be such a great start in the first month of the year to create a room for Jesus in our lives. Hello? Are we together? Yeah, I'm here to encourage you to, to create a room, you know, to have a special place in your heart. Not a temporary makeshift, not a tent, something that can be moved, something that can be put away and then be used in another season. But to create that permanency, that indwelling permanence of Jesus, of the Holy Spirit in our lives. I know maybe some of us here, you have hosted some people, it could be a friend. It could be a family member. It could be somebody else that you did who was visiting and they needed a place to come and stay with you, right? And here's a question. If you have a visitor or a family friend or somebody coming to stay in your house, what do you do? Yeah, thank you. You make the room ready. What do you do? Come on, let's talk, church. What do you do? You clean, right? Because you don't want them to see all the stuff that you have, right? You want them, even if the room was upside down, you want to make it look good, right? Even if you had some funny things, you say, okay, we don't want our visitor to see this. We recently had our friends coming from Halifax, you know, uh, visiting us. You probably saw them here. You know, we cleaned up the room. We took all the clutter, all the junk, and locked them in this room that cannot be accessed by anyone else. Right? And we wanted their room to be perfect. 
And they came to us, they're like, you guys are so smart. They're like, yeah, that's our daily lifestyle. You know? Until we took them on a tour, and they opened one of our storerooms, they're like, oh, what is happening here? You know? We've all done that. And we've done this for our fans, for people, for visitors, you know? That we, we want them to come and stay in a place where they will feel comfortable, where they will feel very happy. You know, that when, whenever they're done, they'll say, Oh, Kim, what an amazing host you are. Where they'll say, Oh, Daddy, what an excellent host you are. You know, even as you also know, Becca and I took a big risk. Uh, somebody was asking, he's like, how do you guys do it? You now have three kids, and you are hosting two teenagers. How do you manage that, you know? So we took a risk, and we hosted two exchange students. One of them is here, one from Japan, and the other one from Vietnam, you know? So when we were preparing for them, because we were going to be having these people from AEI coming to check our house, we made their room gold star, you know? It was perfect. And I remember when the person came, they were like, oh, wow, you guys have the best room. To all the host families that we have been to, yours is number one. And then we were like, uh, uh, feels good, right? It feels good. You know, even when our students came, you know, fortunately for them, we didn't have to check some stuff in their room, but they're still stored somewhere. We're just waiting for them to go back and then put them back where they belong. Right. What am I saying in all this church? We want to do these things for the people that we love. We want to do these things for human beings, for people that we live with, for people that we meet in our daily lives, because we want them to be comfortable. So sometimes we can even go further and ask them and say, oh, what are your dietary needs? Uh, do you eat cheese? Do you eat nuts? Are you allergic to this? You check so that they make sure when those people are staying with you, they are most comfortable, they are most happy, right? Furthermore, since we are hosting students, we, we stay with the students. We not only say, okay, you come to our house, go to your rooms, you know, we go further and we play games with them. So we are kind of what we are kind of, we are doing what we call local parenting. We are kind of like they are parents right now. Even though they don't want to accept it, they think their father is older than me, they said they think I can't qualify to be their father. You know? So we, we play games with them. We communicate. We have seen them cry. You know? We have had to correct them a little bit in one or two things. We have shared all those things because we opened our house to them. We invited them to stay with us. Now, in the same way, God desires us to open a room for Him so that we can come, He can come and dwell with us. Now, the good part about God, He doesn't want us to be super perfect. You know, like what we try to do. He says, come as you are. Broken as you are. Like Kelly was sharing, full of shame as you are. Feeling unwanted as you are. 
feeling worthless as you are, not loved as you are, Jesus wants you just like that. He doesn't want, if Jesus wanted a superstar, you would be staying with, I don't know who is your superstar, maybe you would be staying with Justin Trudeau or Lane Higgs or Mayor Kate Rogers. No, but God is no respect of person. He wants to stay with you. Hello, church? Are, are you still with me? Right. So Jesus wants us, and he's asking you, and he's calling you in 2024 to create a room, to create a space in your life so that you can come and dwell richly, so that when you wake up in the morning and your face doesn't look the best, you don't have makeup or your hair doesn't look great, he still says, I love you. When you wake up one day and you are moody, you are not in your best behavior, he says, you are my friend. God wants you like that. He doesn't want you dressed nicely, looking all glorious, looking all beautiful. He wants you like that. Hello? So I've met a few people sometimes that I've, and I ask them, when are you giving your life to Christ? You know, when are you getting born again? I have a very weird approach, you know, uh, when I talk to people. Sometimes if I know that they haven't given their life to Christ, then I ask them, why haven't you given your life to Christ? You know? And others will tell you answers like, I'm still young. Yeah, not now. And stuff like that. There's so many reasons. You know? I remember I gave my life to Jesus when I was in, in high school. And today I'm a father of three. I'm doing now. I'm in my 50s class. You know, I'm no longer that young. And I have never looked back. So I want to speak even to young people who are here who might be thinking, oh, it's fashionable not to be a child of God. Let me tell you, it's such a privilege for the heavens to look down and say, hey, Josh, I want to come and dwell with you, you know? To say, hey, Hinata, I want to be your father. So I want to encourage you, as we keep, keep going, to say, we need to surrender our lives to Jesus Christ. We need to accept Him as our Lord and Savior. This is one of the ways you can make a room for Jesus in your life. Hello, church? Are we still together? Let me make you a little bit uncomfortable. I think I'm very much safe to do this because I preach once in a while. Unlike Mark and Gary and Joe, we have to preach every week. Can you ask your neighbor? Just look at your neighbor. Mark doesn't have one. Ask your neighbor and say, have you given your life to Christ? I want us to be practical. Let's talk. I want to hear the church talking. I see somebody who doesn't have a neighbor there. Yes. Come on, talk. Ask them the next question. When did you give your life to Christ? Come on, church, talk. So when, when I'm talking about giving your life to Christ, I'm talking about that first level of faith. 
Lord Jesus, you know when you make that prayer of repentance, Lord Jesus, come into my heart, be the Lord and Savior of my life. I'm talking about that. But I want us to move to the next step. Ask your neighbor again. Say, are you baptized? Church, come on, stay with me, church. Ask your neighbor, say, are you, are you baptized? Ask them, when were you baptized? If they, were not bapti- if they are not baptized, ask them, why are you not baptized? Come on, church, I just want to hear you talking. Can I take it to another higher level? Hello, church. Are there any brave people who can raise their hand and say, I'm sitting next to somebody who hasn't given their life to Christ and who hasn't been baptized? <laughs> I like that too. I, I'm, I'm trying to be very practical. If we are going to move in this journey of as Christians, our first thing on how we can make room for Jesus, it is to give our lives to Christ. It is that deliberate decision to say, Lord, Je- Lord Jesus, I accept you as my Lord and Savior. Come into my heart. Invite Jesus. You know, Jesus is not like an, an evil spirit or any funny spirit that wants to force it in you. He wants you to invite him to say, come into my heart. That's why when we are born again, when we give our lives into our Christ, we confess it with our mouth, and we say, come into my heart. Come into my life. Be my Lord and be my Savior. Hello, church? We need to do that as a first step. If we're going to continuously make room for Christ or create a space for Christ to dwell richly in our, in our life. I probably said my testimony when I used to be in high school. I used to stand against my friends who would invite me to church, and then I would ask them questions. I don't think this God exists. Nah, nah, nah. You know, I used to be very good with debates. I remember one time, I think I shared with you this, I'm just prospecting, and people were clapping hands for me. I thought I was winning. But God got my heart, and here I am today preaching to you. Hello? So let's start here. Give your life to Christ this year. If you read in Isaiah uh, 1 verse 18, it says, Come now, let us reason together, says the Lord. Even if your sins are as red as crimson, I will wash away. God wants you. God wants you to make that commitment. God wants you to be his friend. God wants you to be his best friend. The same thing with me. When I married Rebecca, my life changed. There were things that I had to give in. There are things that I had to adjust to. There were certain practices that were not good. But when I, when I made the commitment to say Rebecca is my wife, I had to change my life and I had to adjust the way I live. Now, if you read in John 1 verse 2, it says, but as many received him, he gave them power to become sons of God. 
You know, trying to engage in God, it's not wasted time. You can ask some people here who have been working with God longer than me. I'm just a, a newbie in this Christian world. If you ask people like Gary, Oli, Mark, you know, can name you a few names, Kim, Krista, Trevor, all these people working in there, they will tell you this thing works. So I want to encourage somebody who hasn't given their life. God is not a thief. It's not like just if you give your life to Christ, He will throw it away or you'll be useless. No, you'll be a better person. He will transform a lot of things about your life. He will make you an amazing human being. So I want to encourage us, church, that this is one way we can make a room for Christ in our lives by giving and commit to Him and be the truth and be counted and make that deliberate decision to say, this year I want to be baptized. I want to belong to the body of Christ. The second thing that I want to touch on is abide in Christ deliberately and intentionally studying His Word, worshiping, and praying fervently. Now, if you invite Christ in your room, it's not enough to say, oh yes, Jesus, I've accepted you in my room, in my, in my heart. Stay there, stay in your room, I'm going to keep on doing my thing. Hello? Church, are you hearing me? You, you are all too serious. I don't know whether it's the light, but I'll keep on going. I'll keep on going. You know, it's not enough. When you invite Christ in your life, we have talked about salvation and getting baptized and giving life to Christ and everything. But when you invite Him now, you must abide in Him. And you must be very deliberate about it. And you must be intentional. You must study His Word. You know, I've said this. I'm inspired by Gary. Gary, for, those, for some of you who don't know, every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday, he prays in the morning. I know there are other people who pray in other circles. He prays in the morning, in the most uncomfortable time, at 6.30 a.m. And he does it consistently. And he has been doing it consistently for, I don't know, four or five years now? Right? This is what God desires from us. That we be intentional. You know, since we also, in, like in, as I was giving an example, since we invited those students to stay with us in our house, it's not good enough to say, come eat, go to your room. We will not have a relationship. You know, it's not good to just say, hi, hi, bye-bye. We sit down, we have conversations. We, we, sometimes things can be emotional. Sometimes we laugh a lot. Sometimes, you know, we do a lot of things. That's the same thing that God desires with us. He wants us to know His Word. Uh, is it David? He says, Your Word, Lord, I have hidden in my heart so that I cannot sin against you. Now, if we do these things, they keep us rooted. They keep us uh, connected to God. You know, if you read in John 15, verse 4 to 5, it says, Remain in me as I also remain in you. No branch can bear fruit by itself. It must remain 
in the vine. Neither can you bear fruit unless you remain in me. Church, I can tell you that in my few years of walking with God, I've seen things happen. I've seen people turn around and say, oh, this God doesn't exist. I've seen people lose their faith. I've seen people say all those kind of things. But I've made a determination in my heart. I have decided to follow Jesus. Not turning back. Not turning back. Christ behind me, Christ in front of me, Christ around me, no turning back. Hallelujah, church. So we must be deliberate. We must remain in Christ. We must stay rooted in Him. We must keep pressing. As Marco and the team were, were, were singing, they, they sang this song, this part of the song, and they captured the saying, Your plans are still to prosper. Oh, wait, sorry. That's not the one. Right. It says, when life doesn't go my way, it doesn't go my way. I am still going your way. When this life doesn't go my way, it doesn't go my way. I am still going your way. You remember that new song that they used to get? There must be that church that has that attitude. Sometimes you might come to church, no one speaks to you, no one says hi to you. Don't leave church because of that. Don't leave Christ because of that. But keep pressing. Keep abiding in Him. Keep dwelling in Him. You know, He says, I am the vine, you are the branches. If you remain in me and I in you, you will bear much fruit. Fruit. Apart from me, you can do nothing. Let me tell you, sir, the world might give us all flamboyant, beautiful things. But they finish, they wash away. But his word remains forever. Jesus, today, forever, you know, yesterday, today, and forever, he remains the same. So I want to encourage you, church, this morning to abide in Christ. You know, to, to seek him, to worship him. You know, even Jesus demonstrated this to us when you read the Bible in Mark 135, it says, very early in the morning, while it was still dark, Jesus got up, left the house, and went off to a solitary place where he could pray. So I want to encourage us to keep on pressing for his word, to keep on praying, to keep on worshiping. I usually like to give this example whenever I preach that when I worship at my house, and you also worship on your house, and you know, we do these things. And then when we come up here, our fire, we are more fired up. But if somebody spends half of their time watching pornographic stuff, and somebody's doing this stuff, and then we come, it makes the church good. But if we are all fired up for God, and we come here, we all feel the fire. We all feel the presence of God. Hello? Are you still with me, sir? Please smile. Please smile. I, it, it encourages me to keep going on. Then the next thing is we need to seek to know Jesus. You know, I want you, I want you to hear me very well, sir. We need to seek to know Jesus personally. 
and not know about Jesus. You know, you guys are native English speakers. I must say, I'm a native English for the second language. You know, know Jesus personally, but don't know about Jesus. It's one thing if I know about Mark. You know, it could be I read about him on Facebook, but it makes a difference if Mark and I speak, we interact, we, we play chess, we, 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 we go skating, then I know what kind of, how competitive Mark is. But if you read about somebody, you know, and not have a personal experience, it's different. So I want to encourage us. We need to know him. You know, Paul, one day, he gets hold of Jesus. He goes to Jesus. Mark, I'm going to use you here. He, he says, uh, in fact, he says, uh, no, it was Jacob. He held an angel. You try and go away. Try and run away from me. He said, oh, Mark, don't run away fast. <laughs> Mark is too strong for me. <laughs> I like that. Can you clear bells for Mark? You know, you say, you say, unless you bless me, I won't let you up. Go. He, he held on the angel. Mark is too strong. I should have chosen somebody. You know, he said, unless you let me go, unless you bless me, I won't let you go. We need to be that kind of church that will hold on to God. We need to have that attitude that Hannah had, you know, when she was praying for a child and, and she prayed and prayed and poured her heart, you know. We, we need to be like that. We need to seek God like that. I want to encourage you, church, or I want to challenge you a little bit. It's not enough to just come and be a standard Christian within the service. You might grow, but you might not go very far if you rely on the worship services and the preaching of the word, case closed, done, next Sunday. We must seek God as individuals. We must seek God as families. We must pour our hearts. You know, Paul has done so many things. You know, if you read in Philippians 3.10, but he said, that I may know him. He, still, he has had experiences with God, but he said, that I may know him and the power that made him resurrect from the dead. Despite all experiences, he still wanted to know God more. So I want to encourage our church to, to do that. And then, and the last point I have on how we can make room for Jesus, before I can talk, I can talk about the benefits of having Jesus in our lives, is fellowship with other believers. Allocate special time to be involved in church activities. Be part of the family of God. So if you read in, and this is not me saying this, this is the word of God. If you read in Hebrews 10.25, it says, Not giving up meeting together, as some are in the habit of doing. Hello, this was in the book of Hebrews. Not giving up meeting together as some are in the habit of doing so, but encouraging one another. And all the more we see the day approaching. Now, if you go to Acts 2, verse 42 to 47, it says, They devoted themselves to the apostles' teachings and to fellowship, 
into the breaking of bread and prayer. And as you read this further, it says, and then God added more people, more people as a result were saved. Church, we must remember that even when we are part of the church here, I usually like to give this word. Sorry for some of you who belong to sorority club or something like that. I always like to say, a church is not a sorority. A church exists to change life, serve the community. Don't run to fellowship. Don't be that kind of person who will be like, I'll come to church. Before I could say, just say, hi, just two or three people, and then go home. Don't sneak in and sneak out. Just be deliberate. By so doing, you are making room. You are creating room for Christ to work in your life. Need I to mention this? Be involved in life groups. Be involved when, when, uh, when Hazel comes and stands in here and says, Oh, there's a women's lunch happening on such a Saturday. Say, Yes, I'll be there. When they call for men's meeting, be there. When you come to that special time, it shows that you are creating time for God. Right? Because God is important. Jesus is important. We are involving in the things that involve Jesus. You know, I didn't ask for this people's permission, so deal with me after this. I have been inspired by Taylor and Emily and Jazz and Phoebe and Christian. You know, they served in the field and Joe and Andrea, they served in the field. Just last night, they were here, you know, doing the field stuff. And but sometimes, like Taylor leads worship, you see him here, right? Last night, Cyril, this morning, he's here. I'm like, wow. Same thing for Mark and Debbie, they do the, is it the kids class? You know, they are here. They need special fellowship. Those programs are, they help to even create more room. Remember from my example that I said, it's not good enough to just have Renata in our house and just stay in your room. Okay, go to the bathroom. Bye-bye. We will not know her. We will not have a relationship. But through fellowship in here, we have some really delicious Japanese food. For some of you who like Japanese food, I can invite you in our house and she can make you a good food. You know, we, we have learned a lot of things about Japan. You know, through talking, she has shown us some beautiful pictures. So when we fellowship, we grow, we learn. I came here as an immigrant. I don't know how, whether people are Canadians, they are original Canadians, you see how special that is. I came here, so it was important for me to meet people. So when we, when we have people coming in our life group every Wednesday, we are so excited. We are not even worried that we have three kids. As you can see, Rebecca was in the worship practice this week. She came at church at around 8 o'clock in the morning, you know. We were juggling the kids. Because we know this is not But there's some of us who think maybe doing these things for God is wasting time. It's not our time that we invest in God that is wasted. So I want to encourage you, as I gave you the examples of practical people in here in the church, that let's be involved. Let's fellowship. Invite somebody at your house for lunch, even if it's a supper, even if you're eating soup, it's a fun. You know, let's have a church and let's fellowship. That's what God desires. And remember what He says in Israel when two 
or three are gathered in my name. Yes, yes. Hello? Church, you look very angry at me, but are we still together? Right. Now, sometimes when you invite people in your life, it's a very, it can be a very uncomfortable situation, right? Remember what I say. Because they get to see you in your natural state, right? Sometimes when I'm standing in here and preaching, you don't know me. You don't know how I look like when I wake up in the morning and I haven't taken my cup of coffee. I don't drink coffee. My wife likes coffee. So I've seen how she is when she hasn't taken a, a coffee. You know? So you are, you, are, you are at risk of being exposed, you know, when you invite people in your life. But let me tell you, when you invite Jesus, there is no manipulation. Hello? God does not manipulate people. God does not help people. It can be me. I can be preaching and then I can manipulate you. But that is not God. It's me. But God in His glory, God in His splendor, He does not hurt people. Hello? So there are benefits, you know, in preparing or making a room for Jesus. I'm just going to run through this. If you read the Bible, I think you can pick close to a thousand benefits or so. But I just have five that I felt in my heart for the church today. He brings joy, peace, and hope. Find me a man or a woman who has accepted Jesus Christ and then immediately became miserable in their life. Then I want to check that Jesus. He brings joy. Many people, uh, you know, ask me, I, you know, our baby is just two months, and they're like, where do you get the energy from? I feel like when I got served, my energy, my joy was increased when I accepted Jesus Christ as my Lord and Savior. So, I don't know what might be troubling you in your home or what challenges that you might be having. But what I found out is that when you have Jesus, you have joy. Sometimes, sometimes there can be turbulences around you and you find yourself having peace. Sometimes you might look at the, what's happening around the world and look at all things that are happening. And then you find yourself saying, my hope is in nothing, is in nothing else but Jesus Christ. He brings joy, He brings peace, and He brings hope. Second thing, He's faithful. Sometimes you can invite some strangers or some people in your house, and they can manipulate you, or they can go and write about you on Facebook or whatever. But God is not like that. He's a faithful God. He will never let you down. He will never forsake you. I don't know what are your fears, what you have been told, but this has been my experience. This is what I believe. If you read in Psalm 37, 25, David says, I have been young, now I'm old. I've never seen the righteous of God forsaken. No, his children beg him for bread. That's our God. He's faithful. He keeps his word. I can lie to you, church. When I say this, I'm not saying I'm a liar, because, but I'm a human being. I can do all those things that are unexpected, not our God. So if in case you are having fears of inviting him in your life, let me assure you, he is a faithful God, he will never let you down, he will, he will never forsake you, whether you are in pain, whether you feel whatever, he's with you. 
Number 13, you fight your battles. He's your trusted and proven protector. If you read in Exodus 14, verse 14, he goes with you through battles. In life, I found out that there are people who are happy with you when things are going well, when you have money, when you are okay, but when you lose those things, they, they leave you. When you feel destroyed, he lifts you up. When you feel defeated, he tells you, he comes to you and says, I can see the victory Because he has upgraded the world. He upgrades the standard of your life and makes it better. Jesus does not leave you worn out or dilapidated. God does not waste people. We as human beings, we can manipulate, cheat, but not God. Even if you read the Bible, it says, when you trust and accept you, Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, and belonging into the kingdom, we give the right to be called sons of God, children of God. And he goes on further to say, we are citizens of heaven. That means when you kneel down and you cry and you pray, your friends might not hear you. Other people in your family might not hear you. The government might not hear you. But God hears you. He changes your life. We become partakers of divine nature. You know, we walk under His radar. When when Kim is walking, God is like sending a horde of angels charge over Kim. When you go to Australia, Kim, God is with you. When you visit Zimbabwe, God is with you. Where is God? Hello, church. You see the president, they have their bodyguards, but you have God, the King of Kings, the creator of the heavens and the earth. He changes your life. You know, the Bible in John 10, verse 10, it says, The thief comes to steal, kill, and destroy. But I have come that you have life, life in abundance. Jesus brings life in abundance. I'm still, you know, in my early stages of Christian work. Don't know what the future holds on. Looks like whatever I discovered is like Jesus promised me life. And I accepted him as my Lord and Savior. And he's faithful. He will not let me die. May I invite a to uh, maybe the worship team to come, and we're going to sing a song. I would like for us church to open our hearts to God and say, we need you, Jesus. We are making or creating a room for you, Jesus. Come and dwell with us briefly in the name of Jesus. Maybe we can stand up church and be worship. You know, just pour your heart to God.